0: What do you get when you cross a fishing lure with a gym sock? A hook, line, and stinker.
1: You're listening to the Smackdown Outdoors podcast.
0: This episode of the podcast is brought to you by allicefishing.com. Also, do not forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you are listening to it right now. Hello again, everybody. How are you? Doug Glimmerveen, Smackdown Outdoors, and we've got Mike Coldfront Curry in the building. We'll, we'll touch on, the, on that nickname in a little bit. We
1: can do that. We'll, we'll, we'll There's a good out.
0: story behind it. Good. I'm glad. I'm not just, uh, well, you know, I'm in Minnesota and some guy just said, hey, Coldfront. <laughs> yeah. Well, we got plenty of those running through anyway, so. <laughs> right. Uh, as everybody knows, we start out the podcast by covering state fish. Last time was Arizona and the Apache trout. Arkansas, well, um, no state fish.
1: What do they not
0: have any lakes in Arkansas?
1: Not very many, as a matter of fact. Oh, so maybe. they've got banjo players, though. Gotcha.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: so we're gonna cover California, and according to Wikipedia, the state fish is the golden trout or. Oh
1: my gosh! Here we uh, go. They get- I'm going to just give its last name, Micus. No, 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 no. You're not. No, everybody. I'm making. I make. Oh, on a yes cor- it. It. <laughs> <laughs> on a cor- Well, you, you know, I'm not a biologist. Do I, you know I, Latin at all? Though, uh, as a matter of fact, I'm going to say that's virtus that santus. I, I do. I was an altar boy when I was well, nihil- the How do you not? Because we memorized. We didn't <laughs> actually <laughs> learn the language. <laughs> that's funny. All right,
0: so, okay, I'll try it. Oncorhinchus. Oncor- oncorhinchus. Oncorhinchus. There we go. Yeah, micus. Golden trout. Golden trout. That is a pretty fish. That's Holy cow. Probably one of the species I have not caught. Neither have I. No. I've caught rainbows, and that's it. Oh. When it comes to trout.
1: Uh, well, we'd have
0: I've to never got the list out. I've never gone. oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, you're a trout guy.
1: Well, well, not,
0: I'm a multi-species kind of guy. Well, yeah, but you like catching... I like catching. I like catching. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) So the golden trout, the California golden trout, or simply the golden trout, and then that fancy word that neither of us really know how to say, is a subspecies of the rainbow. Oh, I didn't know that. Native to California. The golden trout is native to Golden Trout Creek, tributary to the Kern River. Volcano Creek, tributary to the Golden Trout Creek. And the South Fork Kern River. Uh, it is the state fish of California. Yeah, we know that. That's why we are on this list, Wikipedia. Can we edit this and take this part out? You can do that. I don't know. You're the boss. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It is closely related to two other rainbow trout subspecies, the little kern golden trout found in the little kern river basin. Surprise. Yeah, come on. Get creative. And the kern river rainbow trout found in the kern. Uh, Yeah, so that is your state fish for California, the golden trout. That is, that is one of the coolest trout I think I've ever seen.
1: That is a uh, cool a stripe. rainbow on steroids. Right.
0: It is. Okay. So let's head over to the Minnesota Fishing Museum and Hall of Fame and their Master Angler Award. And we're giving a big shout out to J- Jacob Keller on September 20, 22nd, 2018. Caught and released by Sport Fishing Method from Minnesota Waters. I can't talk today. I'm all tongue-tied. A 16 inch largemouth bass. Now, the kids' master anglers are set lower than the adults. Um, And actually, I know somebody who kind of started this program. I think he's sitting across from me as well. Not this
1: particular program, uh, because this is with the Fishing Hall of Fame. uh, Oh,
0: you caught – okay, never mind. Oh, oh, wait. We'll we'll go back to that. I jumped the gun. You
1: did. You have to – Podcast.
0: Ended. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh let's see. Jacob Keller from Wasika caught it on Clear Lake, 16 and a half incher. He released it. The catch story is Jacob got a new lure, so he decided to try it out. First fish caught was this 16 and a half inch largemouth bass. His witness was Daryl. I'm guessing that's his old man. What lure was it?
1: That was, uh, I was gonna ask. He said, you know, <laughs> like any true fisherman, he's not, gonna, he's give, not telling, gonna tell the
0: whole truth. He's not giving the secrets up. So if anybody knows what he was using that day, let us know. What was that new? What's that new lure? It's not in the picture either. Nope there he's a, he's a he's a future tournament guy. Definitely a future tournament guy. Now if he's into bass, mm-hmm. he's hiding it. He's hiding it. I do like the uh, looks. Like he's got his life vest on. He's so got his life vest good. on. I'd like to see that's a little good.
1: support on the belly of that fish. Yep. You don't want to yeah. be breaking the jaws, but True story. Uh, but uh, you know you, you got to learn someplace.
0: Exactly. Yep. I don't know how old he is either. That'd be nice if they put that up. Well, mm. they don't
1: like to do that. With the kids.
0: Oh, okay, I suppose. Well, either way, congratulations, congratulations, Jacob Keller, on your large mouth uh, master angler tournament or at master angler award. Why am I so tongue-tied? You're here? not nervous. I'm nervous. You're in front of me, I'm sitting in front of a legend. <laughs> no, I'm tongue-tied. You know that, or I'm just tired. All it's right, okay. it's been a long deer season. Uh, it was only two weekends for me, so it hasn't been that long. But it's been a long year for me, a lot of stuff. I'm too busy. That's good, though.
1: Keeps me off of drugs. Um, Keeps me from being uh, insane. Keeps you from being insane. Yeah, that means I'm already crazy. We know that. And uh, But uh, if I'm crazy, it's really tough to be insane. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs>
0: Okay, you asked for it. Hey, no, hey, I'm, I'm just here. I'm just, I'll let you take over the show. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. All right, so we got, it is now time for the SmackDown Outdoors News of the Week. It's time for the SmackDown Outdoors News of the Week. Now, a little while ago, on a couple episodes ago, we were talking about record book Pike. Well, the angler, an angler sets the new benchmark for Northern Pike State record. Minnesota anglers who want to catch a state record northern pike on the catch and release format that they now have, which we're about to talk about, um, now have a new mark to beat after angler Matthew Swanson of Woodbury has claimed the record with a giant pike, 45 and one-fourth inches, caught on the rainy river. The record surpasses the first ever record set in early October when Maddie Og. I'm hoping I say her her last name right.
1: Yeah, I, Maddie. I think, so. I think
0: uh, she is. Uh, she's a big time angler. I just yeah. saw
1: her name someplace else.
0: Yep. She uh, she caught a 43 and a half inch pike from Malax. However, and I found this interesting, Swanson actually got his five months ago. Oh. Mm-hmm. In May. Uh, the DNR received Swanson's application on October 29th and certified the fish soon after. My guess is he saw her and went, wait a minute, I can beat that. So then he sent it in and they okayed it.
1: And that is that is okay. That's mm-hmm. per the instructions that just had to be caught this year. Yep. Because the program didn't actually start until January 1st. Is that when it started? Yeah. Okay. And then the season didn't open until really, you know, well, May Whatever that date was, yeah, so it was a little fourteen fifteen. Little, yeah, so there's a little closure time in there. So, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, the reason I know this is that I actually was a big part of uh, starting this catch and release program up. Let them know. It, well, it was, it, it, the only reason uh, that uh, I was part of the program was that nobody else wanted to do it. <laughs> That's typically how it goes. Yeah, but how much fun is it to talk to people uh, who catch you know, state record size fish? And there's 62 different species. Now there's four different species on the catch and release side. And uh, when you get to talk to people catching warmouth mouth from down in... Pool five, I think, is is where that was caught. Uh, um, that's the by the way, that's the only fish under a pound that we recognize. The warm mouth, and I say we, yet even though I'm retired. But uh, yeah, it was a warm mouth. And do you know, have you ever caught one?
0: Uh, I have caught one on Lake Sarah, I believe.
1: Okay, they're, I think so. It's a it's a sunfish, only different, right? If you don't really look at it, it's like, oh wait. Just like the golden cra- trout, uh, only different, you know. Uh, the golden uh, trout is trout. way different. Yeah, <laughs> way different compared to a rainbow. Compared to a rainbow. Yep.
0: Or whose, trout. whose idea was it to start this? Or
1: uh, there was a lot of uh, clamoring for it from the from the public and from the uh, uh, fisheries managers. They were really interested in recognizing the big fish that we had here in the state of Minnesota and and the northern pike record uh, was going to be doubtful if it was ever going to be broken again. Uh, the um, Flathead catfish, you know, they're considered trophy fish, not really eating fish. Right. Muskie, same thing. Uh, and the uh, sturgeon, those are our four catch and release uh, fish. And nobody really, all those sturgeon, be, I've heard of some people eating them. And what do they taste like? Mud. Yeah, it <laughs> ain't they, chicken. Every, everybody smokes them. That's that's basically exactly. how you
0: eat them as you smoke them. Exactly. Are they looking to expand the list into the walleye and whatnot?
1: Well, th- that was uh, part of the process that we were working on. We were going to try to add one different species every year uh, going forward, but uh, you know, retirement got in my way. But uh, but it was, I think it's a, a really good program. Um, I don't think uh, I think this record would have fallen probably earlier. And like you said, it was five months before he uh, uh, put the application in but uh there's probably been some other ones caught but nobody knew about it right and you know we can only publicize so much but now with this sort of publicity boom a 45 inch pike oh, take that's, that a, any time. that's a big it's a big fish look at the head on that fish yeah
0: i know it's, the biggest one i've caught is 20 uh 42 i've gotten two 42s and this i can only imagine what a 45 and a quarter weighs uh, biggest
1: pike, yeah. I'm, I'm probably right at 40, 40 what, pounds where, where I 40 inches or 40 inches. Oh 40 uh, babies, my, yeah. uh, my largest fish that I've ever caught was a well, freshwater fish is a muskie. So, how big? Um, 54 and a half inches. Dang it, I can't even tell you that my sturgeon weight was bigger. <laughs> I got a 52 inch sturgeon, <laughs> so yeah. But do you, do, you, man. do you consider it a, a personal record when you weren't fishing for it? Um,
0: I was fishing for the sturgeon. My one musky I caught, I was walleye fishing lead core on bald eagle with a oh, number, really? four, number four <laughs> Selmo Hornet. Up in my territory. Yeah, that's where I caught my one musky. So that one, I mean, technically, yeah, it's, I caught a
1: musky. I wasn't targeting him, but I did catch one. Well, that was my musky so. too. I was actually targeting smallmouth, throwing a rattle trap and... Uh, Ended up with a half-hour battle with uh, that 54-and-a-half-incher. Prettiest fish I've ever seen. I'm not just saying that, but there wasn't a mark. There wasn't uh, anything. Mating, the tail, no bloody tail, nothing. Just perfect. It was in perfect condition. However, it was caught in July, and with that long a fight, that made me really nervous whether she survived or not, and, and uh, only Mother Nature can tell us. Yeah,
0: same Same with me. It took a little while to get her going, and it you know, you're catching them on lead core, so you're just dragging them. You know, and I didn't know if it was a pike or a muskie or what. I knew it was big. So it's not like you're going to go, oh, stop the boat and I'll just let it fight. It's like, no, I'm going to get this in here. And it swam away and it went down. So, well, and I didn't hear any reports of a muskie, you know, 40. It was probably like 42. How long a fight? Couple minutes. Ah, see, you're I mean, it, was just, okay. it was just pulling it in the boat on lead car, like yeah. walleye. So
1: yeah, it's like you know the, some of these battles that you know they, the, these uh, guys and gals have in these sturgeon where they battle them. You know they can handle it. Uh, a musky, uh, a big walleye. You know they have a hard time uh, uh, recovering from that uh, lactic acid, just like when we try to work out and, and our muscles are sore. You know that builds oh, up yeah. in their bodies and and they can't tolerate it. But uh, it took me as long to release that musky as it did to catch. So and I, I, and if I had to do it all over again. I probably would have cut the line after I saw her. Yeah. Uh but you know, you just you just don't know.
0: You want to get your hands on it. Well,
1: and at the time You wanna catch it. You wanna be it, able to get your hands on it, take a picture, or whatever. And fifty four and a half was that's right there at the state record weight. Um yeah. so I'm going, Geez, did I did I just release a state record? Oh, I would have i probably not. I think I was probably just a little short. Yeah. But tremendous fish. And is that it,
0: was from a Lacs. Is it fifty four or fifty six now to keep a muskie?
1: Uh, I think it's fifty six now. Did they move it to fifty yeah. six? It's okay. basically catch and release, and well, that's why that yeah. that program is so important. Catch and yeah. release, you can be recognized for it now. So, it's yeah. uh, a good idea. Yeah. In the northern pike, my goodness, there's. Um, I, I kind of expected to see it from from the northland up there. There's a, where there's some big pike, but uh, I well, think it's with the, the new... rainy river. I mean, I'm I'm pretty oh, sure boy. that's
0: about where I caught my sturgeon right right where he's at there. <laughs> yeah, I bet you.
1: I bet you. You know, whatever they're feeding on, those fish grow big up oh, there. Yeah, everything grows big up there. The, yeah. Well, like the sturgeon up
0: there. If you compare those to some of the ones down here in the Croix and, yeah. and the Mississippi.
1: There is no comparison. No.
0: I no. mean, they're twice, two, three times big around no. as, the, as the ones down here.
1: Yeah, they're eating well, just like we are. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Tell me about <laughs> I'm it. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not
0: saying. Just saying. Uh, let's see. Speaking of that, Swanson was on his annual Rainy River pike fishing trip with his dad and brother. After three days of fishing, he had not landed any large pike, but his dad and brother had caught several over 30 inches. His father fishes spring pike with streamer flies on 30-pound test wire line using his dad's setup, so he caught it even on a fly. That's cool. Uh, took a few casts, in the water around him exploded. He had hooked a big pike. After a br- brief fight and some careful netting, Swanson had caught the 45-and-a-quarter-inch northern pike. They handled the pike carefully to get a couple of pictures and a length measurement before releasing the fish.
1: And that's so important, Doug. Is the that length? You've got to get that photo in with the measurement. I I can't tell you how many fish that I had to reject for uh, possibilities as as a state record because there wasn't a good quality photo with it. And uh, I mean, that's the only thing. There's not a whole lot you can do. We we can only trust people so far, right? You know, as anglers, we never lie, but we do stretch the truth a bit. Oh, we stretch it. Yeah, stretch it to the max Mm sometimes. So you know, so you need that good photo. Uh, along with it, uh, and you know, really not even a witness, Self, but
0: you know, cell phone works these days. You know, if you got a big pike like that, <laughs> set it on the set it on the tape, <laughs> take the picture from up top, and let the DNR blow it up somewhat. Yeah, you know, it'll get a little tough when it's down to quarter inches.
1: Have you guys kind of done that where you have to beat it by a certain length? Yeah, it, basically that's why we went quarter of an inch. So now inch the next one's got to be a quarter inch bigger because so, because you're. I mean, it, it, we do the same thing with on weight. Do you, you have to beat it? uh by you know an ounce not don't give me this hundredth of a this is no it's water If you're gonna right beat it beat it exactly <laughs> yeah uh, you, you know you could have it you could have a sinker in there or something uh, and you know p- people have done stranger things and i've been part of tournaments that they've done some strange things yep. and uh you know we try to eliminate all the uh, uh tomfoolery and skullduggery out of it and um but if people want it that bad and uh, cheat well I feel sorry for him.
0: Well, what's what's the point? The probably the saddest uh, occasion where I heard of cheating and foul play was at a crappie contest. We'll say I, mean, I would want you know in the spring.
1: Gee, well, it wasn't on a, the on, a, on well, one out, on a lake
0: out west. Well, I don't, that, don't want to say the name like of the time. It
1: was a part of the
0: crappie contest, if I
1: remember right.
0: Well, there was a crappie that had a one ounce crappie or bluegill. They had a one ounce oh. sinker
1: inside of it. Oh, well, that's a different one.
0: Now this tournament. There's not like, I mean, there's a there's a mystery weight because they give away a boat on a mystery weight. This fish was nowhere near being the biggest fish of the tournament, mm-hmm. which you get a separate prize from. This was mm-hmm. like a half pound crappie, big deal. And there was a one ounce sinker in there. I'll be darned. Why? <laughs> like, what are you doing? You're not going to get big fish, obviously. You don't know what the normal, like the surprise weight is. What do you, why, why a one ounce sinker? Adam uh, yeah. Haney found that one.
1: I, I had yeah. not heard that. Yeah. Well, there was the one. There was another one where, allegedly, that a crappie was caught on Malax Lake and brought all the way down to this western. Oh. And I heard uh, of that. yeah, and yep. and yet uh, you know the following year we had because uh, I, I was a part of the the uh, uh, crappie contest out there for almost twenty years as a part of the back in the days of when it was the holiday crappie contest along with Minkota and uh, was part of that for many years and just enjoyed the heck out of it but, and that's why the prizes were always small uh, right. at these tournaments because we didn't want to promote we wanted to promote family outdoors and I know we're going to talk some more about this going forward but crappie fishing, what better way to get a kid and the family involved out there than catching a, a bunch of sunfish and, and, uh, and crappies and occasional bass and have a little thrill on a big muskier northern pike coming up and, and uh, flirting with uh, some fun there with the kids And I think that pike was bigger than you, Johnny Right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yep. Yeah, I don't get it. It's it's you hear about. I mean, and you hear about cheating all the time, and it's like, just why? You're yeah. going to eventually get caught, absolutely. And what happens? We hear about you getting caught, and yeah. you get banned from tournaments,
1: and you get a bad name, and it's pointless. Well, I I am seeing you an get event. thrown in jail sometimes uh, well, if it's egregious enough. There there was one time in Wisconsin, uh, I was am uh, seeing an event uh, over there. And um, uh, the gentleman who uh, won a Ford 150, Oof. Uh, oh yeah, and I'm sitting here interviewing him. He's all excited about it. And I said, well, what are you gonna do with the truck? I'm gonna drive it like I stole it." And that got uh, technically un- did steal it. He did steal it. They <laughs> found out that he literally had a northern pike down his sleeve, allegedly for, you know, for over an hour. Uh, and then uh, he was pouring water down the sleeve, and that's how they kind of found it. They were just, you know, trying to keep that fish looking like it had been, uh, or like it had been alive. Yeah. Uh, and somebody had noticed. Well, it's. it's- zero degrees out and this guy's buying a lot of water he must he must have a heck of a night last night yeah or uh or he there's something nobody's that dehydrated no exactly (laughs) and uh he was approached later on and he gave the truck back but uh, come to find out that he had uh uh, allegedly had a um a pike factory at his house his wife had uh, also uh, won tournaments with uh 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 with pike and his kid it also won kids division before too so wow boy the uh, it, that's a shame when you, you hear things like that cuz it's just it just you're you're just involving
0: sick. your entire family yeah. in something like that yeah
1: that's messed up i uh, i have i feel sorry for that kid i really do
0: they didn't they they weren't the ones that uh were up in the tournament that's got like 10,000 people on it Part no, that. but <laughs> that's another one where they, that, that, that's kind of a, we just kind of stopped hearing about that situation.
1: Uh, they, I don't know what uh, became of uh, it. Uh, nothing. They allegedly uh, passed everything, uh, and the investigation proved everybody to be, uh, on the up and up. And that's the last I'd heard. So well, I'm
0: going to figure out where they fish and I'm going to fish right next to them. Yep. Cause they won, they kept every year. They were, they, they were in prizes. the tops all the time, yeah, all the Top. time. Yeah. And when you're on ten thousand people, that's a you know I'm not accusing anybody of cheating, but
1: no, but it is such a luck of the draw tournament. It really is. It, it, if, it's a lottery. Oof. It's a lottery when yeah. you're fishing something like that. And I I remember fishing one of those one time when it was on one of the north I think Forest Lake when Forest they had a big Lake used trim. to have a big yep. one, yep. I, and I had a big one up right up to the hole uh, oh, one no. year, and it, I'm going, I I touched it. I touched oh, whatever whatever it was. I touched ten thousand dollars and I watched oh. it swim away. Ouch! I just what are you gonna do? <laughs> Drink heavily, I you think is what it was. Then. Sit there and go. Okay, so where's the cooler? <laughs> oh yeah, no coolers at the tournament. But I, it, oh, yeah, I, no. But it's a great story. From yeah. for, and that's you know and that's what we've been talking about already here. Just talking about fishing stories, yeah. where we've been fishing, where we're going, and uh, to pass some of that on as we go forward here.
0: Good segue. Stories.
1: What's your story? What's your outdoor story? You can start as
0: far back as you want. Oh, we my. got as much time as we need. I mean, you're not a spring chicken, so don't maybe not go back
1: Ouch. all the way. Well, I was born in 1954. <laughs> 254 in 54. And the important part of this part is is that my dad was from Ely, mom was from uh, 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 St. Cloud, and they got together um, for. Uh, dad being a school teacher uh, at the time but he his love was in in Ely. He, in fact, he was a uh, a guide on Lac Lacroix way back when when um when you had all these big wigs from Chicago going up there and he said some of them might have had uh, the old crooked nose too if you know what I mean. Uh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they did yep, some yep. Uh, you know camping and fishing up in the boundary waters and and uh I was lucky enough as a kid um if, you're, if anybody's familiar with Basswood and the four-mile portage that goes in um, up there, and it's, uh, it's four miles. And we used to have my dad's cousin with an old Studebaker that, uh, that drove us back and forth on four-mile. Well, they were getting rid of all of the resorts at the time up there. Uh, Checks, I think, was the big one. And my dad's cousin was relatives, and and so as a, for two summers as a kid, I get to stay on Basswood at the Forest Service uh, uh, cabin, and as a kid, uh, I think that was one of the most important things that ingrained in me of being able to go fishing and and throwing daredevils into the uh, into the bay and catching little pike at the time, um, but I think that's what spawned a lot of what i love about the outdoors and family we go out in my uh uh cousin's uh, cadillac uh uh what was it was called a cadillac lund i think is what it was cadillac lund yeah I car think. wait no it was lund. It was a no it was a boat oh that they had a, named the cadillac it, or something yeah i think but yeah I, I don't know if it was called if it was the name brand cadillac lund or whatever it was okay but we used to sit out there all day long and not catch anything I'm yeah. going. It was brutal. Yeah, it was brutal. But you know what? I wouldn't trade anything You're right now outdoors. for it. Yeah, hmm. and just being able, dad being from Ely, being able a chance to go grouse hunting with my uncle and and camping with with friends, riding our bikes down to Shagwa in in Ely. All those things I think really ingrained in me. You know, the outdoors, um, and the cooking, and what mom and dad you know get kick us out of the. Flipping house, mm-hmm. kick us out of the cabin, kick us out of the tent. Get out there and play. Do something. Go fishing. Go hunting. you have the twenty two. <laughs> get get out of. Yeah. Well, I know times have changed right now, but you know, I, I think parents now are so afraid of of uh, uh, having their kids out of their sight that it's it's very challenging for them to to let go of the reins and and make the outdoors a priority. Uh, and. Uh, but as a kid, we didn't have that problem. I, I grew up; uh, my hometown is Malacca, and we used to go down to the Rum River after we got done with ball practice or a ball game. Then we'd go down and go fishing on the river. Um, just take our bikes and you know dig a couple worms. As a kid, here's I'm going back here for ways here now. Yeah. I'll, I'll fast forward here at some point. I,
0: if we get it's a podcast. <laughs> we can go all night. I'll no, just break it up no, into no. three
1: part series. Uh, there we go. We'll have it, Mike. Cold front and then Curry, three part series. Well, here, here, they're still in the first part here, and you're looking at a guy that used to sell night crawlers on 169 as <laughs> anglers were going up to Mille Lacs Lake. That's awesome. Oh my God! And Dad would help us. We had these. We had a sign, you know, about the size of your wall, and going, you know, three dozen for a dollar or whatever, or whatever it was. You had three dozen. No, it was dollar a dozen, and it was three dozen uh, worms uh, for for a quarter. Wow! And we used to have to dig all these things. Or we and we picked them, except for the kid next door who had them, bought them from the bait shop, and then sold them. You know. Oh, he was uh, he, he was, he was the... cheating. He was. Uh, There's mm-hmm. always a cheater in the group.
0: Yeah, but was he making money
1: he was he was making money but we were making money too and, yeah. but we were, we worked hard at it. we bought yeah. our own bicycles we bought our own fishing rods and reels and and all of our games and toys and again it taught us about money and i'm again i'm going back to this sort of thing right. where nowadays the, the concept of of uh, finances for people boy is it doesn't they, start till you're out of school you don't yeah all your schooling yeah they yeah. don't teach that yeah
0: hopefully your parents do
1: yeah and, and they did. And they taught us about being an entrepreneur and, and working hard, making up the signs and customer service and all these things and um, being good people. And that's what mom and dad were. And I uh, uh, just had my mom pass away this last year. And, and it was this was also a very difficult year for me, you know, and, and retiring and dealing with her, uh, uh, the estate and all the insurance. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's selling the house and all that stuff. But, it, again, when I look back on it, I'm going, Wow, you know, they brought me up in the right way and and uh, learned to work hard and party hard right. and have fun. Uh, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm an open book as far as what I what I do. I, um, I'll go back a little bit again. I, I didn't get in the outdoor business initially because I love to cook, and so my degree is in restaurant management. Really? <laughs> well, hey, honey, guess what? <laughs> Mike's cooking dinner tonight. <laughs> Uh, well, my my famous last my last recipe I just cooked was beer cheese soup, so I know you'd like that one. Ooh, you didn't bring any. I didn't bring any, and you have to have a popcorn, by the way. Attention, all
0: future guests! <laughs> if you if you cook food, bring some with. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, I agree, but uh, uh, my my love of the outdoors, um, you know, I was in the restaurant biz and was with opened-up restaurants from Seattle to, to uh, right here in Minnesota and Texas and Chicago and Stuart Anderson's cattle company, Black Angus, so I got a really good um, uh, work ethic with them, worked hard, partied hard, and uh, I think... Uh, yeah. But it was too much partying and not enough enjoying of the outdoors. And so I wanted to find a way to get back into the outdoors. And so I worked for Fins and Feathers magazine for a little while. I worked for the Sportsman's Press with Tommy Zinanko for a little bit. Uh, And then I worked with Holiday Sports, which is the original... um, uh, How can I compare this? To Fleet Farm uh, right now, where they have everything. And we were a sporting goods store... We bought, as Holiday, we bought Gander Mountain. We bought Burger Brothers, and we turned them all into Gander Mountains uh, at that time because that was the best uh, brand uh, to sell under at that point in time, but oh my goodness, that was a lot of fun, and that's how I got to meet all the different people in the industry, the the salespeople and the, the Michael Waddell's of the world and uh, um, Craig Boddington from the ammunition side of the world. And uh, I, I've, I've just been blessed to, to, to meet all these tournament guys and being a part of, the on the tournament side of things, I did the walleye tournaments for 10 years. Uh, and I did bass and I did the muskies and crappie fishing and, co- and contests like that. So I've got a well-rounded background. But my love was always about getting people involved in the outdoors. And, and as a as a professional in the outdoor business, uh, it's our duty to, to share what, what we have for for knowledge and, and pass it on to them so we can make it a little bit easier. But then again, we can't make it too easy for them.
0: No, we got to work them, for it. We got to make them earn it a little bit. We can lead that horse to water. Yeah. But they got to learn to drink.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you can start off with water. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you, know, you don't. Them right to whiskey do you
0: no, no no you start them out with a bobber setup and then you teach them lead core later
1: yeah exactly <laughs> but the same thing is but that's what, one of the things that Doug, that we're doing wrong right now and as a society uh because our deer hunting numbers are up and we're going to get half of well we're not not this year numbers are going to be down yes. for number of deer hunters and there's a plethora of things that it could be but Instead of teaching the kid like 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 I grew up, and it's, that's not always the, the, the right way to do things, but in this case it is. You need to bring a kid up so that they understand the outdoors, whether it be they need to understand the water, they need to understand uh, how uh, animals survive, and that you don't name, you know, Bambi, don't name, they're, they're wild animals. And that's always yes. been a, a bugaboo for me. The What's the word for
0: more something mysterious? station formorph is it promorphemization or something see, see I knew you something, could pronounce that 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 trout we were talking about lat, not that one <laughs> but it's where you basically feel it's the Disney effect yeah, yeah. you know Bambi's yeah. running through the woods yeah. and you know you watch Disney what happens yeah. the old man gets killed yeah you know well now, I'm you
1: know the important part though is that they're animals a... are cute and cuddly until they rip your face off. Yeah, exactly. I just yeah I just saw some <laughs> of that too. But you have to build up to these things. You need to get the kids to 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 be able to understand how to use a compass. A GPS is great until the batteries run dead on you. Yep. Uh, but you need to teach them how to hunt squirrels. Or, or, or on the trapping side of things, doing and doing it humanely and doing it right, and practicing whether it's a twenty-two or I've got my nephews that they're they're going to be seven years old here in a couple of weeks. Uh, I started off with slingshots, and they're going to move up to to air rifles, and they're going to get then they may get one of the the bows, but they're going to work progressively work up to being able to, to deer hunt. We want them to learn about grouse hunting and being able to walk down a trail and and sneak out around the edge and see if there's one a little bit farther down the trail or sharpen their skills with with clay pigeons or whatever it might be but you you can't just bring them right to deer hunting and that's going to be the death of small game hunting and we talked about numbers that are down right now small game hunting and pheasant hunting um not only do you need to have habitat but you need to have somebody to show you how to do these things and duck hunting oh my god i Okay, I am going to get started on it because you Go said I have it. got time.
0: Go for it. I'll, I'm just going to sit here and drink my water.
1: That's okay. But no, no, you better not because I I'm, 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 okay. I may be throwing something here at you. Mm-hmm. But we're talking about ducking. When I'm back here in the holiday sports day, we had four stores uh, in the metro area here, and I managed the Burnsville store. Take a guess at what the, I'll say, what was the third biggest day of the year in our um, retail days?
0: Now you carried everything, right? We carried. So we're, are we including like, like Christmas and stuff? We're now we're, we're just
1: going to talk about hunting and, fishing hunting and fishing gear. Well, there's fishing opener. Okay, that was third.
0: That was third. So we've got fishing opener. We got deer opener.
1: That was fourth. Well, there's small games opener. That was. I don't can't, can't even count that low. Um. Well, turkey. I was turkey nah, turkey really wasn't around nah, then? Nope. So
0: we've got fishing opener, deer opener, well, kind of ice fishing opener. Yeah, eh, not really. Yeah, Small game. Top ten, maybe. Bear?
1: No, no. You're you're duck and goose. Ah, number two.
0: Number two was Duck and Goose.
1: Christmas being number one. Oh, okay. During the Christmas season, but Duck and Goose hunting was number two in sales. Wow! And if you go and the busiest day was that Thursday before the opener, it, people were getting decoys and duck wax and calls and and um, decoy string and what and paint everything the night before, of course. Oh yeah, let's paint our boat two days before, and then I'll, yeah. it all all yeah. washes off while we're out there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it was such a big deal back then, and now. It's a non-event. It's a non-event.
0: It's amazing. You walk into Cabela's or Fleet Farm or Gander Mountain or Gander Outdoors now or whatever, and the selection of waterfall gear yeah. is little
1: too non-existent. Yeah. yeah. And yet and the reason why it was such a good um, deal way back when on the holiday sports side of things um, was that it wasn't cheap. I mean, yeah. you had to spend some money. Yep. When you're waterfall hunting, upland bird hunting, I mean, you get yourself a vest and a shotgun and some shells and you can go. Right, the waterfall hunting. Ugh. Well, it, has, it
0: hasn't changed. It's gotten worse. I mean, a six pack of, of goose decoys, <laughs> two hundred and fifty bucks. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. or you can buy the cheap ones and then and you're ashamed of your cheap ones. A, you know, i I've, we hunt over some old decoys and we still kill
1: birds. That's exactly right. So you,
0: you don't necessarily need to buy the. Real expensive ones, especially if you're just getting started out.
1: I absolutely agree, and and, and I think that's such a uh, as an outdoor industry, we've we've done such a um, a poor job. And waterfowling is a good example, but I'm, I'll go. Let's go to fishing real quick. You know, when you see a fishing ad, what do you see? You see a Nitro 250 yeah. out there. You see uh, the Rangers and, and hundred thousand dollar boats, hundred thousand dollars, fifty thousand dollar boats, whatever it might, fifty thousand yep. dollar engines, yep. and And what are we telling the people right now? You have to have all that before you can go fishing. What happened to the rowboat? What happened to the canoe? There is kayaking is coming, coming on for fishing. But the kayaks aren't cheap. They're not.
0: You're looking at a thousand dollars for a kayak.
1: And yet all you have to, you can get a Snoopy rod and reel, which you shouldn't do, by the way, because you should buy the most uh, (laughs) expensive gear that you can afford because it's going to be, it's going to work out better for you in the long run. But. You know, and that's what I would tell people. when I was in the resale today. You, you know, get what you can afford because mm-hmm. it's going to last longer as long as you take care of it. Yep. But uh, you don't. You can get into fishing really simple. You can be a bank fisherman and do just as well. We were talking about it uh, before we started the podcast. You can fish from the from the shoreline. That's how I started, and that, not everybody has to start that way. But you can go down to the Mississippi. You can go down to the 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 uh, fishing in the neighborhood docks all across the metro area here, and all across the state. There's all kinds of fishing docks. And believe it or not, you will catch fish there.
0: Yep. And the DNR actually puts out a book that has all the accesses and fishing piers. You can get them at your uh, bait shops like Vado's Bait and Tackle. They've got them there. I'm sure all the rest of them all have there. Or I'm sure you can go online and Mm -hmm. get one or download it or whatever. But it shows you all the lakes, all the fishing piers, all the accesses. And Google Earth, combined with that, is a wonderful thing because you can look at Google Earth, zoom in, see there's a little trail or a street or whatever, and then you can go over there. Oh, look, there's, it's just a 10-foot walk to the bank.
1: That's You know, that's a great tool, and, and I'm, I know we're hopping all over the place here, but I'm going to hop because finding a location to go, especially um, – For hunting is difficult. Everybody says, I got no place to go. I got no place to go. And I call BS on them.
0: Get the OnX app. Oh, you can get. And pay for it. It shows you private, public, whether that public land is state or we're just up up hunting, just by Leech Lake. There's a lot of res. Reservation mm-hmm. land there. Oh, can't go in there, but we can go right here. We can go right there. We can't go there. That app is wonderful. Yeah, and and, and, and it'll show you everything. And,
1: and and if you don't want to pay for it, you can go on the Minnesota DNR website, yeah. and they've got you know public lands that are open there. Their wildlife management area, wildlife production areas, the walking trails, uh, the snowmobile trails, the horse trails, anything. And a lot of these, you know, there's no cost to you know horse trails and ATVs and all there. There's a little cost and in, involved with that, but. You know, we've made it easy for them, but hunting and fishing is not easy. It is something. It's a lifestyle. It shouldn't be easy. to. It, to if to it's easy, everybody would do it. Yeah. shouldn't be easy to catch and kill. No. It shouldn't be. No. You're going to have your days here, and that's what's so important when you get out there um, fishing on some particular day. Uh, you know, you have a lousy day. And we've had them all. I believe it or not, I have been skunked this year. You have? I have. I've been lies, skunked. all mm-hmm. lies. I've been skunked deer hunting so far this year. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you not both. through lack of effort, <laughs> uh, but um, if every day was the best, it it, it wouldn't feel like anything. You're right. You wouldn't have that when when I saw my first deer this year uh, on opening morning. I was dang near shaking. I'm just go- I was so excited that am I going to harvest this deer or not? Am I going to take the shot and be done with or not? Yeah. Uh, or watching it play. oh well, play is the wrong word. Watching it feed along the line and that would look back every once in a while. I'm going, ah, maybe there's something else here that mm-hmm. uh, nothing else materialized. But, um, and then I missed. <laughs> Good job. Yeah, well, you know Spain.
0: what? I'm not perfect. Yes, you are. You meant to miss on purpose. No, here's what's going to happen. You're going to get a bigger one come by, and you're going to shoot that one.
1: No, I, you know, no. okay. but the, uh, that, but that brings up another point, and you're bringing up some great points here because I think that's one of the problems with deer hunting right now. It's not all about the rack; it's yep. about the experience out there. And I put a, a picture on Facebook um, of um, and all my buddies went home. Uh, they uh, they were done deer hunting, and I stayed up there uh, a few more nights moonlit night i got a campfire going i took a picture of both even though i'm by myself wow that's what it's about it was that feeling and then when we were around the campfire bs'n yep those other times and and it's the stories well i can tell the story of missing that deer uh because my scope ended up getting hit and i have no idea what happened but i see the i saw the nick in the scope oh really going oh my gosh i was off by over three inches Oof. Uh, and it, it it didn't take long to extrapolate that out and you, you miss you I miss pretty badly yeah um uh, b- but and, but to do a you know to service to to the animal you know you need to practice you need to know your target what's beyond you need to be safe and i don't think there were any deaths this year deer hunting i have not heard of any I, I think i've heard of a couple incidents but i don't think yeah. anybody's died yeah that's that's the um, good news and not in
0: minnesota anyway hats off to firearm there.
1: safety and the instructors yes. cuz they do a hell of a job
0: yep know what's beyond your target not just your target no what's behind it
1: yep and there's that's, that's the thing too many accidents
0: you know going back to the people not uh not hunting because they don't think there's enough land is it that or they know there's a lot of public land out there but they think everybody else and their brothers out there so they don't want to deal with the other hunters out there
1: oh i think there's some of that
0: for sure um but here, here, especially here's, during rifle season, both season, yep. both season is wide open. Uh, I agree. when it comes to public land.
1: I agree, but here's where the, the I think the people are a little lazy, I'm just going to call them what they are oh, right your now story. because the the everybody wants to hunt within you know an hour of the metro. Hour in metro, 100 yards of their truck. Yeah. You got you to get out there. Yeah. Uh, there was time when I, when I started, uh, uh, I'll say 20 years ago when I was deer hunting, I had a two-and-a-half-mile walk into where I was hunting with my backpack on, with my rifle or my bow, uh, and my uh, climbing stand um something i got smart finally and got a cart to help go. carry it in it took me a little while that helps uh, but then uh, and then i started getting encroached out there and i wanted to hunt my own land but if you work a little bit harder uh, harder than the next person and utilize what they're doing out in the woods to your benefit in other words if they're running around like a chicken with their head cut off in the woods and you set up in a bottleneck where you think those deer might go now you're playing the smart hunting game out there not being just yeah. out in the spot and hoping that something comes along. And you along. stay out
0: there till noon while everybody else leaves at 10 and they oh. push all the deer towards you.
1: <laughs> I, you know, I have shot most of my deer between 10 and 1 o'clock yeah. over the years.
0: And that's even if you're hunting private land.
1: Yes. Because all of a sudden all the guys around your, your
0: private land, they get up, they go in for lunch at 10, well, the deer are going to move. Yeah, and Where are they going to move? Well, they're going to move anywhere. There's people that aren't moving around. And mm-hmm. if you're sitting there, there you go. Bitter-bing, bitter-bang, bang, bang, boom Right.
1: Yeah, venison in the freezer.
0: So yeah, it's there's a lot of laziness. Yeah, and it's hunting, fishing, doesn't well, matter.
1: It, it, uh, maybe we shouldn't call it laziness, but there are so many distractions nowadays. Whether you know, it, it's,
0: I'll, uh, I'll call it laziness because yeah. here's
1: where when I, where I was hunting this year, I was
0: literally a hundred yards from the camper. I could have gone further in, I could have, mm-hmm. but I didn't. So I was lazy. I'll admit it. Mm-hmm. It's an easy spot. It was actually a pretty good spot last year because there was a lot of deer overlooks a swamp. So, yeah. But I drove three and a half hours to
1: walk 100 yards.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it's a laziness. My and... bunker
1: stand is the same distance as, as yours. Yeah. But here's the thing. Uh, this year for the first time, and this is just south of Mille Lacs, um, I, I really couldn't understand why I wasn't seeing more deer because I've, I've got... the Oaks were just, uh, they just dropped acorns like I hadn't yes. seen for five, six, seven years.
0: The reports of that everywhere.
1: Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Well, uh, here was, was it, um, it was fr- this last Friday morning. And I'm out and I'm in the 100 uh, zone so that uh, you, know, you got three weekends worth of hunting up there. So I'm not hunting out of season here. Yep. Okay. I turn on the front porch light just to see what's going on for the weather, whether it snowed or not. And there's a doe in my front yard. I'm going, of course. This is an omen. This is not good. (laughs) Okay. I get out to my stand, nothing, 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 nothing. And I come walking back to the cabin, oh, about, I think it was about 11 o'clock. I just, I I had to get something to eat. I was was bone chilled. It was cold. I'm, get this, be this age, you know, when you're born, or you can get cold. It was cold this year, though. It was 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 cold. It
0: was a cold. Well, look, we got six inches of of ice. Yeah. So it's cold here.
1: It's cold. Good. Well, I come walking back and I see these tracks. On top of my tracks, and I'm going. What is this? Uh, We're talking wolf prints, and I'm talking not uh, probably at least two, maybe more. And I wonder why there. I haven't seen deer. You said they are south of uh, Malax. Yes, yeah, just how south far, of Mille Lacs. How far south? Uh, it's um, uh, probably eight miles. Okay. Maybe not even that far. Five miles.
0: I hunted Isle. Yeah. Um, just south of Isle. I mean, yeah. Basically, the top of the Malax. WMA, yep. take the road there. I hunt pro- property there. And the farmer just south of that, when I was hunting up there four years ago, he had
1: wolf kills. Yeah. Oh, south yeah.
0: of Mille Lacs. Everybody goes, oh, they're way up north no, by no. Duluth.
1: There, there was three known nope. packs in that WMA uh, I know. In when, that WMA, in, in that WMA, so I'm not surprised at all. I'm only a mile away from the w, from, um, well, the Malax Hunting Lodge. I'm not very far away from there, okay. and uh, so there was wolves uh, in there, and I'd never seen the prints there before. And I and I was up uh, the uh, um, uh, by Tofty this year, grouse hunting too, and seeing wolf prints. I saw more wolf prints. In fact, I saw more moose prints than I saw, and wolf prints compared to deer. I only saw one set of deer prints up by Tofty, and that was uh, wow. I was kind of surprised. Well, I
0: know that WMA, the Malax WMA. Well, that's where that yep. s- that skull actually came from. Nice. That was my first first ant, uh, archery deer. Nice. Just a little doe, whatever. And you're paying homage to it. I, exactly. I like, I'm glad I you that, kept that. That's and I impressive. Got the, got the arrow. Got the arrow here. You know, three blade rage. Nice. You know. But yeah, I had to do something. It's not a buck. So here's the thing: there's a I got a doe, uh, rug. We'll say whatever mm-hmm. over the chair in this next room. I've got that's, one too. That's, that's my first Wisconsin deer. Yeah, and it was a doe. She's a big one, but
1: she's and, my, and it's a trophy. I like,
0: I like little stuff. I don't care. You know, it's it's not about the rack. I've got my my racks upstairs. My two racks upstairs. One's a little uh, um, velvet buck, which. Came out of the WMA, nice. Came out of that WMA. The other one, Princeton muzzleloader, whatever. Um, but yeah, no, I it's I don't care. Uh, it's I, just having that memory, yeah, of you know the hunts.
1: I've, I've been face to face with deer on that uh, on that management land where I was going in bow hunting, and walking you know old dark thirty. And we had a we had a standoff right on the trail. They're everywhere, and you and they're doing the head bounce in the whole nine yards, trying to figure out what you are. And if you don't move, you're you can have some spectacular one on one encounters with with wildlife.
0: I almost got run over by a deer in there. Yeah, we were we were all walking. A bunch of us were. There was only me and my buddy hunting, but then there was a couple other groups, and we all were there at the same time. And we're walking in. I'm walking down the trail, and from my left, all of a sudden, I mean, from me to you away. This deer comes just bolting (laughs) over the trail, and it was a buck. It wasn't a giant, but it had a little. And I go, if I'd have taken two more steps, I'd have been run over by a buck and possibly gored.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What a great story, though! That was exciting. (laughs) And if you weren't out there, you wouldn't see those sort of things. I I saw uh, two wolves up on the, uh, uh, um, uh, along with a monster bull moose. Uh, you know, this fall up in the Boundary Waters area. Nice. If you're not out there seeing these things, and uh, you better get out there and, and get a look at a moose when you can. Um, that Tofty area was outstanding. I saw so many tracks, I just felt like I was going to see something. And I turned this corner, and it was a good 50-inch-plus moose. And I've, nice. I've been, I've hunted in Alaska before, so I'm very fully aware of, of, of how big this, this right. big was a, bull was. was. A big one, yeah. And I made the mistake, though, and this was, you know, this, uh, this was um, uh, towards the end of September. They're st- they're in rut, and I couldn't <laughs> get my camera. I couldn't get my camera to boot up because I had it off. And I'm sitting there going, I'm trying to kick, I'm trying to keep this moose around. All of a sudden, it starts walking away, and I go, uh. And he stopped and looked at me, and I thought I was dead meat. <laughs> I really
0: did. <laughs> That's the first moose call on this podcast. Is it? Oh, Oh, great! (laughs) We got our first moose call. (laughs) Uh, uh.
1: (laughs) Oh boy. Well, uh, if that's if that's only grunting you hear from me, that's good. (laughs) Oh boy. But it was fantastic. I still couldn't get the picture, but I did end up uh, with a picture of two uh, wolves up there too. And it's uh, to see that uh, when what what Mother Nature deals out to you, those are moments that. You know, for for the for us outdoors people, we can appreciate that. For the, but the the person who maybe doesn't get out there and thinks that these things just are out there to pet, no. No. You, the only way to get out there is is to literally spend time, and you never know what's going to be around the corner.
0: Yep. We talked about this in the one of the podcasts I had with Kyle, and at least I think I did. My favorite all time memory of the outdoors: duck hunting, slash goose hunting with my old man. And I'm sitting on a point, and all of a sudden the Northern Lights start coming. Oh! At us. And I'm like seven, eight, yeah. maybe at the time, and they start coming, and they're coming, and they're coming, and they and they reach so far back that I could literally lean all the way back. They filled the entire sky. Yeah. Greens and blues and everything. Unbelievable. And if I hadn't gotten up at two in the morning, yeah. Driven all the way there. Gotten in the canoe with my dad, driven all the way across to the point, set out the decoys, which wasn't much. He was awesome. Then you fell asleep. No, no, (laughs) no, 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 no. no. You know, and then wait, and that happens. You know, how many kids today can say they've seen the Northern Lights? I can't remember Uh, how many kids today can say they've seen a sunset through in while they're in the woods. Or a sunrise yeah. while they're in the woods.
1: There's no better. None. There's th- that is so cool, especially when we had you know. There's a lot of uh, um, uh, ash in the uh, in the skies and all the red sunsets that oh, were out there yeah. in, in the mornings. Those are spectacular. Then you yeah. add some uh, occasional uh, waterfall. You know, saying hi and uh then you try to take a shot and it waves goodbye you know oh, yeah. that was kind of like my fall well for that, how too, many what... kids
0: realize when they're standing there and they're hearing the Il- just that little whistle that little yeah. <filtration photographer> that what that is nobody None of the kids don't know that they Same. go well it was a bird yeah no it was probably wood duck actually yeah. you know
1: i uh, or... <laughs> 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 mean <laughs> Yeah, the, the wood ducks or the sandhill cranes that drive me nuts. Turkey hunting now. You know? When are we?
0: Okay, Mister. I used to work for the DNR. When can Mr. I retired, kill one of those retired things?
1: Oh boy, you can right now up in, I, the, in, I don't in wanna, the Northwest. I know, but I want. Uh, I can kill them half hour from my well, house. And look at the swan. I've, I saw so many swans oh this my year. God, and, they're and everywhere. They're everywhere, and that's a, a hats off to Carol Henderson who just recently retired from the DNR, and you know, that was his pet project and. To have those trumpeter swans and and for people to mistake them for snow geese, I'm going. You got to be kidding it's, me!
0: It's amazing. How do you mistake a six foot a plus
1: wingspan to a snow goose that's the size of a chicken? Boeing seven forty seven to a to a mosquito. I mean, I don't, it, they, it. I don't get it. But to see those things in the wild in that management area up there in the Malax as as a there's. Oh, at least I know four or five different families that were living on the different uh, ponds up there. It, it's it really is cool to see, and I tell you, um, if you don't get up early and see these things and and to listen f- for listen for the uh, woods and the waters to wake up in the morning. Yes,
0: that is so cool. It's one of the greatest things ever. Just to sit there in the dark, you're all set up. No matter if you're fishing, hunting, whatever, and you just listen to the woods and the water come alive. Yeah, the woodcock. <laughs> yep. The birds start chirping. Yeah. You know, if it's frosty out, all of a sudden the sun comes up, starts melting everything and you get the, the drips and the drip, 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 drip. And then you hear maybe a frog and a duck and a splash and you look over and there's a beaver or a muskrat. Yeah, You know, these are the things that kids are missing out on growing up.
1: They are. And, and I get it. I understand the way things have changed now. Um people are too busy. They they are too busy. And that is the the biggest I talk about distractions. It's the cell phone, it's it's uh, it's sports or yep. it's after school activities that are 24/7 365 that when we grew up, we did all those things. Uh, but we also made time and our parents made sure that we made time to go outdoors and that's what we're missing right now and that's what I'm trying to work with with my brother right now. Um, he's got a couple seven year olds that in two weeks now they're going to be, uh, I'm going to build them up, but they, they don't have cell phones right now and he's not going to let them have them until, and he's a very strong willed person uh, and he will uh, hold out until absolutely till he has to, but there's too many distractions for kids right now. We had we had a few things there was some drugs uh, back then there was some drinking and parties on the weekend i can't deny that uh but now with with everything 24/7 365 and that you can only go to one sport you can't be even a two sport or a three sport right. per that's impossible you can't do that anymore no nope. so and you nope. have to pay for it besides yep and you know here here's the deal parents your kid has about a
0: 0.01% chance of your kid ever making it at any professional sport 10 4 you know I mean, that's just – your kid's not going to be a professional athlete. More than likely. Sure, obviously, kids get drafted every year. But there are so many more opportunities for them outside of sports, in the outdoors, to make a fantastic living. If they want to play football, that's fine. If they want to play hockey, that's fine. And I put a lot of this – on the coaches and the schooling and the amount of money in this because if you if you don't take your kid to hockey practice in the middle of
1: july yeah he's not even going to make a team well and that's yeah Which that is, is the ridiculous. coach's ridiculous. that is absolutely the yes. coach's fault or who's ever putting the pressure on the coaches to, to win at that age they're there I, I trust me i do believe winning is important yeah, mm-hmm. I think it builds character. Winning and losing. Don't be afraid to lose. You can lose. You got to lose with dignity, though. It's, you have to lose yes. by. You have to try. You have to try. You do your best. It's okay to lose. Yep. It, that's okay, but if you are, if it comes easy to you, well, we're happy for you. Nothing's ever come easy to me, and you can't. You cannot. I cannot emphasize that enough. I've had to, I'm a, I was a C student in high school. I became a B, to B plus when I went to college. But I had to work for everything, and I think that I think it bode well for me. Plus, I had great support from my parents, and that's the other. You know, we get into that whole aspect of of the way life is right now. There's so many single parents out there, and they use sports and they use uh, uh, other outdoor after-school activities as babysitters. And yet we're not, and we're letting our coaches and we're letting our teachers raise our kids. Raise our kids when we should be teaching our kids. Yep.
0: And I get it. You know, you're a single parent or whatever. It's tough because you've got to work. Absolutely. But what do you do in that time where you come home with your kids? Do you just cook dinner, watch TV, and go to bed? Or do you cook dinner outside, go for a trail walk? Oh, my. How many miles and miles and miles of trails are there in the metro? Yeah. How many lakes and parks and everything you can go to with your kids in the metro or wherever you live? Get kids outside.
1: Yeah, the obesity is another issue. The, yep. the, the the not having mandatory fyed in in a lot of the schools right now. I, I, that's I can't even Wait, comprehend what? that. What physical education? They don't have that in schools. It's anymore? not mandatory anymore. What? No, in a lot of schools it isn't. I I, I I can't tell you the percentage, but I've heard from a lot of people you don't they don't have to go to that they don't have to go do fit because we don't want them to be ashamed of of their bodies or anything else. What are we teaching our kids? We're teaching our kids to be lazy and to want everything handed to them. Yeah, and, That's what we're teaching our kids. And, and I, I've got my phone attached to my hip right now. Oh, yeah. And, I, and I use it. Right there. Yeah. But i I think that's one of our that's one of the things that we can do going forward. Like you mentioned that that on air uh, that app that Onyx Onyx yeah, that is one tool as electronics that you can use. And some electronics, whether it be GPS or some of the fish finders that are out there right now, you can use those as tool. I mean, they've gotten extremely sophisticated from the old, from the old green boxes and FL8s that I used oh, when yeah. I first started. <laughs> but you know what? They don't tell me any more information. Okay, maybe a little bit. A little. They have, they have a little bit the contrast or clearer picture. It gives you a clear picture, but if you use your use what God gave you up here in your head, yeah, I, you know I can interpret uh, a, a flasher just as well as I can with the other electronics. But I like having that screen there because that means I don't have to watch my my 8 <laughs> <FL8> or my <laughs> green box every second yep. uh, second of the you time. You can see that history. Yeah,
0: that's right, can. Tom. You know who I'm talking about, Tom. History take that <laughs> we always joke about it because he uses a, a flasher i use a well my hummingbird right there so yeah. i get a graph and i go i like seeing the history he goes yeah. history and he always points to his bucket with fish in it. there's my history <laughs>
1: exactly you can't yep. you can't eat your history <laughs> yeah
0: so you um were the mentor men
1: mentoring program there you go. coordinator there you, go. you and, say it yep And it had, um, my job at the DNR was uh, multifaceted. Uh, I've uh, done quite a bit of media work with people. I work with the governors, fishing deer and pheasant openers. Uh, And as we talked earlier uh, in the podcast, uh, I was part of the record uh, fish program, both the catch and release and the uh, the weighted ones. And... um, and then, uh, as as a sign, but I worked really closely with the Pheasants Forever and Turkey Federation, Minnesota Deer Hunters, uh, the uh, Grouse folks, and trying to get uh, kids and families in into the outdoors and learning how to hunt and fish. And one of the one of the keys when I first got you know eleven years ago is that we were always focused on the kids. We always focused on the kids because it was a feel good.
0: Yep. But we could never... Kids, women, and vets.
1: Yeah. Well, Any
0: any charity things? Look, it's always kids, women, and vets. What about the 30-year-old guy that has never done it before? Yep. Not saying that kids, women, and vets shouldn't be
1: taken care of and helped. Yeah, sure. But what about everybody else? Yeah, but I think we we shouldn't not focus on that, but I think we need to focus on the family and the adults a little bit more. Because what's going to happen out there? If you, as a, a... How old are you? 37. Okay. Family starting up uh and and you're i'm just gonna use you as an example family getting started you're gonna bring your your five and six year old you're gonna go fishing you're gonna go uh you're gonna go take walks in the woods you're gonna train them right okay now but if you don't have that opportunity as a 35 or 37 year old i don't know anything about the outdoors where do i get started Yep. And that's where we're trying to, we're, we've got an adult uh, learn to hunt program uh, with the DNR that Dr. James is now getting involved and, and trying to expand that as we go forward. But we're teaching that that 18 to 30-year-old to how to hunt and fish uh, by not just taking out for on a one-day crappie fishing day not a one day uh time out with the pheasant hunting you're talking about firearm safety you're talking about how to work a pheasant field you're talking about okay how do you find these places to hunt like we talked earlier uh in the in the podcast okay what sort of equipment how do you use the equipment and my god we make things so complicated in the outdoors whether it's shotguns i mean just can you imagine going into something and, and are you are you into sewing at all no okay (laughs) how many different sewing machines and different needles are out there and how do you do these how would you learn that on your own it'd be tough yeah it'd be tough and that's why it's well i know i know how i do it i would
0: go to youtube and google it but then what happens is the cat video always pops up on the right (laughs) so i end up clicking on that and then 45 minutes later i go (laughs) what did i what but no i get it yeah it's it no matter what it is Hunting, fishing, sewing—how do you get into it? Yeah, you it, try to find somebody that knows how to do it, yep. so they can go to the DNR and go, "Hey,
1: well, right?" And, and it really, no. I, or, I, I'm just gonna or, I'm gonna stop, uh, stop you just for a second here. Um, uncles, aunts, family members—we're talking about that that do hunt and fish, and we've got millions of them here right. in the state that do it. You've failed. You failed to pass on the hunting and fishing traditions that this state has been built on. You failed. I failed by not being able to get more people into the outdoors. You've got a chance, though, right now, as an uncle, as a grandfather, to get your kids, get your grandkids, get the kid down the street. Get them fishing out there. Get them to understand that we have a world that is really messed up right now. True story. Dude, and, but you know what? I can be at peace in my deer stand. I can mm-hmm. be at peace, um, thinking about what am I going to do? How am I going to fish this river so I can catch maybe a, something for the fry pan and release the rest of them? How am I going to do these sort of things if I don't have somebody to show me how to do it? The D—it's DN- not—it shouldn't be the DNR's job to do it. Um, it should be—it um, should be adults, and it can—and it can be role reversal too. You can have the kids teaching the old folks. We've need, that's the only way that we're going to ever make enough of a difference out there is if we have to jump in there with both feet. And as parents, it is to learn, learn with your kids. How much fun is it to do it with the kids to have fun in the outdoors and be able to teach them or teach yourselves together? Just like firearm safety is a great place to start. Yeah, that's the number one.
0: Well, when it comes to hunting, that's the number one place to start. Yeah. Firearm safety. Before you do anything else, learn how to use your weapon. And do it safely.
1: Yeah, but then you think about it, you know, as a kid, there is no minimum age to small game hunt. There isn't one. You don't have there is no minimum age. I I see that blank look on your face. Well
0: I immediately go to twelve
1: years old or whatever it is to deer hunt. That's Ah, but they can hunt deer hunt at ten years old. Oh, it's ten now. It's ten if that they parent have. or guardian is right next to them okay. at all times. See, those are some of the rules and regulations that, as we've changed. It, it, hasn't, it hasn't been that, like that forever. Yeah. And well, you, and I don't have a kid, so I yeah. don't know these things, so I'm glad you're, you're saying this because <laughs> here I am just going, yeah, I think it's 12 years old. No, it's 10. 12 oh, is when you can a... actually you can get the your farm safety at 11. You can take the course, but you won't get your certificate until 12. And to be able to hunt on your own, you can't do that till you're 14. So parents and uh, Uncle Charlie and and. Aunt Lily, you know, this is your chance to spend some time with your kid or with a kid and and share your love of the outdoors, or just share something that you know that that youngster really thinks that that, that he might enjoy. But but the biggest thing is though is show him a lot of different things. Yes. Don't yes. don't just like sports. Just don't have them play hockey.
0: Cross train them in the outdoors. Exactly. Cross training is you you want to build those muscles for sports. You play basketball. You play football. You play hockey. You play baseball. Everything. You build all the muscles. You go out there. You squirrel hunt. You rabbit hunt, you pheasant hunt, you grouse hunt, you duck hunt, you deer hunt. You get all your muscles. And you, you, get- you learn how to do everything. And the more you do each one, the better you become at each
1: one. Ten four, Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, what's the number
0: one? What's the, the 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 number one thing when you're hunting is shut up and sit still. <laughs> I don't care what you're hunting for. I don't care what you're hunting for. Shut up and sit still. I mean, there, there's your there's your number one lesson for hunting: shut up and and sit still. I, I, no better words have been spoken because yeah. because everything typically is. Them. Typically, which one is that associated with deer hunting? It also works for ducks. It yep. also works for goose. Yep. If you're walking around the woods and you're not seeing any squirrels, shut up and sit down.
1: Oh my gosh! And the, wait,
0: the squirrels this year—they'll uh, they'll come out like crazy in about ten minutes. Oh my gosh! Oh,
1: they've they're, been everywhere. They've been running around. I've got ai call it a sable, the black squirrel that was uh, oh. tormenting me, and, and it was just fun to watch them just running after each other because they're territorial this time of year. Because I don't—I think they—I think they mate. Two or three times a year, I can't remember what what it is. Too so many, I, if you ask my backyard. Oh brushes. well, that's okay. They take care of those ankle-breaking acorns. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, hey, really, if that's if if we can uh, have people take away uh, uh, one thing, is to shut up, <laughs> yeah, and be observant, and use your binoculars. I'm the older I get, right now, I use my binoculars more than ever. Yep. Uh, but take somebody with. Take somebody. Take somebody that may not get that opportunity, uh, because you know what. Okay. Uh, here's a test. Here's a test. No, oh, jeez, it's going to make the host look like an idiot. It's, That's cool though. It's, an easy, it's the easiest, easiest test you'll ever take. What is other than getting married or a birth of a child? What is your biggest moment? I'll. I will bet you. I'll bet you all the money I've got in my in my uh, wallet right now that happened in the outdoors. My biggest moment, besides getting married.
0: Um. I would have to say that it is right there. Yeah. Cause that was my first deer yeah. with a bow. Yeah. I couldn't sit down for twenty minutes because I was shaking so badly. Oh yeah. I cried. I'm literally yep. getting I'm getting goosebumps and darn teary eyed right now thinking about it because mm-hmm. of the work I put in towards it. And having that opportunity to, as I always say, go into a deer's house where it lives.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I don't want to say win, but I won that battle You know, I won that fight. I was able to, like I said, I don't, I don't like winning and outdoors, but I was able to go into that deer's house and kill that deer without it knowing I was there. Mm -hmm. And the hard work that I put into that, I couldn't stop shaking. And like I said, I cried, you know? I, I made sure my buddy was was <laughs> getting the truck, and he, although he saw my eyes, and he goes, "Are you crying?" I go, "Shut up! You'll figure it out when you shoot one." You know, so you don't remember your highest score on you know NBA Live Xbox games or what? Uh, God, can you tell I'm getting? I don't even. Yeah, I'm getting old, um, but you will remember your greatest day, out fishing. Yeah, out hunting. Yep. You know.
1: Yeah, I, I I've get a couple different uh, highlights in, in my career and none of them had to do with uh, with work and one of them was with my best friend I got to uh, i fortunate to take a trip to do a moose caribou trip up in Alaska well didn't shoot anything saw a 60 incher oh. uh, it was just a massive bull uh, here and gone and so we're, we get back in our rubber rafts and um, I uh, proceed to get run over by the rubber raft and I get dunked in the river <laughs> Frozen by the time I got Ooh. back. But the real, the true part of the whole trip, I just wanted to tell that one real quick because the, the guide said he'd never seen anybody move so fast in life. And I'm not a small guy. No, <laughs> no, no. And so, but the but the coolest moment of that trip was my best friend and I were on a cliff. We we're overlooking this swamp that has crystal clear water in it. And here's moose tracks through it. It was just one of those moments that i can't believe i'm here i can't believe i'm doing this yeah never shot a moose we caught lots of fish had a grizzly bear outside our tent never knew it was there you know all these things that just woke up to tracks oh yeah oh Oh, my goodness um it was um uh, it was scary but the 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 one i remember is a deer that i shot wasn't a very big deer uh i had a tough season and much like this year come yeah. to think of it
0: <laughs> watch out all small uh, deer for the rest of the year yeah. mike's on a rampage well my
1: my dad had passed away this was, uh back in 2000 and i had a tough had a tough year and just wasn't seeing anything and i'm going dad what's going on here and and, and my best friend uh, uh takes me to this spot that we hadn't hunted before and, and he said how oh, let's let's give it one more try i get up in the stand and i just had one of those moments where uh, i was thinking about dad and i just i just i just totally broke down just it was you know, just a breakdown time. Yep. And I wipe the tears out of my eyes and I look up and I'll be doggone if there isn't a four corn in front of me. This is a true story. There's a four corn right in front of me, and uh, I shoot, and then I break down again. And my buddy heard and he, so he comes over here and we hug and all that jazz. And 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 then I look up at Dad and said, "At least you could have got me was an eight pointer." <laughs> <laughs> Oh.
0: Oh, you know, it it sometimes things just happen. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It, it's it's my second year I ever shot where and I'm not a hugely religious man myself, but I'm not going to deny that there's, you know, a god or whatever, whatever. We're sitting there Sunday morning and we're watching uh grandma at, she's got church, you know, on the TV. And we're like, all right, let's go back out this afternoon. And I go, I just kind of look up and I go, all right, well, we watched our church. You want to help us out here? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, go out, me and my buddy do a little drive. I shoot a deer. And he goes, hey, guess what? Remember what you said back in the house? I was like, what? He goes, remember when you looked up at the ceiling? I go, huh. Huh. Well, that's interesting, ain't it? You yeah, know, thank you, Grandma. Yeah, well, well, no, I was say, no, it was her, she was still alive. Yeah. I was talking to the big man yeah. upstairs, you know. And he goes, yeah, so you're not religious, right? And I go, well, not hugely religious, but <laughs> if things like this yeah, keep I happening, I might be at church next weekend. Yeah, you know, well, that kind of deal. So. I, I
1: had a little chit-chat with Mom who passed away in January, yeah. and I brought something into the deer stand with me. And it was just, it was a rock from one of her plants. And uh, you know, so every once in a while, I will look over there and think about mom, and mm-hmm. and uh, I, I think she's punishing me for something I did. I'm not exactly <laughs> sure what it was. Remember when you were such and such years oh, old and yeah. you didn't tell me the truth? When oh, you, yeah. I'm sure there was something in there to that, but uh, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't blame mom. I, I blame, uh, uh, blame just that's the, the way we'll just it is. Blame sometimes. the wolves. But no, there's <laughs> not you know, wolves. You know, there's that predator-prey relationship. There's that balance that we need to do, and that's what we've done as human beings. We've done some really good stuff, and we've really done some bad stuff, and we just need to get back to letting the scientists uh, take care of things in the state and let them manage the wildlife uh, the best that they know how have been taught. And beca- but it's always a learning curve. There's yep. always something to learn in the outdoors because if you're not learning, uh, every, God help you. Every single day you
0: go outside. You should learn at least one thing yeah. about what you're doing. Yeah. Fishing, hunting, hiking, biking, whatever it is, you should learn one thing. You know, if you're walking around, learn something about a plant. You know, you see yep. a weird plant, grab that cell phone that's in your pocket that you've been Facebooking the yeah, whole time you've been go. walking, take a picture and go figure out what it is. Oh, is that a white oak or is that
1: a red oak? Is that a bur oak? Is that, because it makes a is difference. Is that poison oak? <laughs> is it poison oak? Poison oak. Poison ivy. It makes a difference to oh, yeah. the to the deer. They love the yep. white oak. Yep. And I've got those on the property, but uh, th- those are the patches that are going first right now. They're getting rustled up pretty good. Oh, I'm
0: sure. Yeah. Um, when you were talking about, uh, you know, it's our fault, and you know, the aunt's fault and the uncle's fault for not continuing that tradition. I don't know if you, if my face portrayed how I was thinking, but you were saying that, and I'm like, yep, yep. It's, that's how, that's exactly, you said it perfectly. It is our fault for not continuing that. You know, I don't have any kids, but. I could grab a kid here, grab a kid mm-hmm. there, you know, with permission, of course. Yeah, I want to grab some absolutely. Random, hey, you, come here, kid. What are you doing <laughs> with Billy? Taking him fishing. Well, right, right. So, yeah, it's in the DNR's second in that, you know, as far as where we can go the, the, to get the resources and the information or the information to – where do we go and what do we
1: do and and things like that i'll even go farther than that I'll, I'll i'll blame some of the organizations for not being proactive enough and i look at duck hunting as a perfect example and they do a tremendous job of raising money at, at banquets all the outdoor organizations do and they all have some sort of a forkhorn camp camper or, or or woody camp they, again and and those are, are excellent because it's not a one day gig. And now you're talking a week to, to ten days, and and you're getting multiple opportunities to do different things. that's great. But if they don't have a parent to follow them up at, at home, or if they or if somebody from one of those organizations would follow up with that young kid. Uh, maybe a year later, and take them out again for a second time. If you take them hunting once, that's all fine and dandy, might be a memory. But if you're going to create a hunter, you have to get out there two, three, four, five, six times. You got to create something uh, that's more than just a uh, a an event in somebody's life. You need to make it a lifestyle. You
0: need to make yeah. You need to create that pattern
1: yeah. in their life. And we haven't done that. The waterfall hunters have done a great job of raising money and and and. Uh, providing habitat uh, on the uh, prairies and on the waterways but they forgot about the hunters and i was we were talking about it earlier on the podcast about about the dollars that hunters spend especially on waterfowl hunting that's big bucks oh, wow, and wow. by the way that's there's that's tax money that comes back to minnesota and that, that's why it's so important it comes back to the dnr it comes back that dingle johnson and the and I'm forgetting the other one, uh, the two different each other taxes for hunting and the fishing. But those monies oh, come back. That, is that excise tax? Yeah, that, that the manufacturers have <clears throat> yep. to pay. Yeah, And that money comes back uh, depending on the number of licenses that are, that are sold uh, in, in states. So it's important uh, because we don't have a system, uh, a good enough system, to... Uh, to pay for the maintenance, like our state parks are in, in uh, some of them are in very tough shape because the infrastructure, of the the buildings are falling apart, yeah. and there's not enough money. And it's you,
0: you, you know, people they don't think about that because they go, oh, it's a state park; it's just a bunch of woods, and I can just go walk around it. Well, yeah, but you need buildings for the people that maintain it.
1: Maintenance trails, the yeah. roads, the yeah. culverts. The, yeah. uh, uh, the uh, you people. The, the scientists part. Of you talk about the the forest management. You know, you just it's, well, part of it. You know, California is burning up, um, and I heard uh, that you know the, Trump was going to uh, you know hold funds back because blah blah blah. Well, it's it's not necessarily the forests that are in, in trouble, but it's the management of the. Uh, um, whether it's uh, burning ahead of time, burning uh, the uh, here in Minnesota, do they do a lot of pre-pre uh, fire burning? Of uh, it brings back the natural growth. Yep. You need the, the right sort of habitat on these landscapes, uh, and it helps to have rain too. Which, yeah, true uh, story. Which California uh, has none of. Yeah, it, which is a bummer. But and. I don't, I'm not going to get into debate with uh, what's going on in California and their because no, they've I'm, got lots yeah. of issues in Cal well the, the, in the country of California <laughs> if I can put it that build way build a wall around uh, California yeah but it's it's it, it it's it's not a small picture it's a huge picture and it takes efforts of the federal government and the state governments and, and wildlife organizations and working together that uh, that quite frankly that was one of the things that I really wanted to do. Uh, as my job with the DNR mentoring coordinator is to get everybody together and work together more. And uh, I sometimes uh, think that um, everybody has their own agenda and that, uh, that the ducks are more important to certain people, the deer are important to, to other people. And yet uh, I don't know of a, a deer hunter out there that, that doesn't waterfowl hunt or grouse hunter or, or do some other sort of hunting and Turkey hunting. Right. Or fishing know, or fishing, yeah. uh, you know, uh, almost all hunters fish, but not all fishermen hunt. Yeah.
0: I see a lot of the problems, we'll just take Mille Lacs Lake, for example, as people that sit behind desks and don't spend much time outside, and they're in charge of making decisions. You don't have to but say whether that's true or false. Well, I just see I, a lot of people that don't actually know that make decisions that shouldn't have anything to do with it.
1: I do have a lot of yeah. insight on the lax. It was my home lake. And uh, I see that
0: with other parts of the outdoor, yep. you know, deer. I mean, what happened to the deer? Well, let's give five per- you know permits to everybody and their brother. And then they go out and they kill all the deer. Well, whose decision was that, you know? It Was a I'll I'll say Some guy who
1: flew over a plane And counted all the deer Come on Well no I I do know that uh, You know most Anybody who ever had Five or six permits You know 99% of them Never shot more than one deer
0: No We shot
1: three total One year
0: It's like Why are we getting five permits
1: Yeah there's no, that, not that many deer yeah. around here. It was a tool at the time, and they probably won't go back to it. I hope not. But uh, I, I think that you know a lot of these guys, these scientists, the, the, the guys that I, and gals that I know that are in the field. That I've worked very closely with, and they grew up on both education and in the field work. They know, you know, uh, I'll I'll use Don Prayer as an example. Don, who was just recently retired fisheries chief, he was a biologist. He spent time on Leech Lake, he spent time on Mille Lacs, uh, and he knows these numbers like you wouldn't believe. And you know, there's guys and, and gals out there that said, "Well, why don't we just dump a bunch of uh, minnows into Malax Lake so we can balance off the uh, the, the predator-prey relationship uh, on on Malax again with the walleyes, and so that the the uh, the smallmouth aren't eating the walleyes or the muskies aren't eating the walleyes." Well, you know, it, what the science says, muskies are not eating walleyes. Right. The, you cannot put enough minnows in Malax Lake to last more than a day or two. And you can be hauling minnows day and night for three sixty five. it ain't gonna have. You're not gonna make a difference.
0: There are too many big fish of all species in that lake. There's too many big muskies, too many big pikes, too many big bass of small and largemouth, and too many big walleyes. The period. There is a balance issue. And and when they made it twenty eight inches and up to keep one, I've been saying twenty five or twenty six because after that. I'm not a fish biologist, but I'm guessing 25, 26 is about the end of a of really good reproductive yeah. rate on females. Yeah. We need to l- take big fish out of that lake. They're eating. I mean, how many how many minnows does a 30 inch or 29 inch fish eat compared to a 17? What do we want people to do? We want people to go up there and catch fish. Trophies be damned. You know, walleye should be elusive as it is anyway. You shouldn't go up there and have 50, 60 fish days literally by just dragging a minnow on a hook. And you don't know any better. You don't know how to do anything. I mean, your average guy shouldn't go out there and just catch 50 walleyes. Yeah. They should be elusive. Like 10 is a good day.
1: Yeah.
0: On a good day. Oh, yeah. I, trust, trust me. There's too <laughs> many fish. There's too many big fish in that lake. I don't care what species it is. There's too many fish in that lake and not enough bait. And it's got to change.
1: Yeah. When you're not having the- uh, And no the...
0: no walleyes are coming out of that lake except for the winter.
1: Yeah. And not one, yeah <laughs> one per
0: one per yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, this year, but uh, you know, the predator prey relationship is um, horribly wrong on that lake, but the, and that lake has changed again, I'm coming back, you know i'm I'm, I'm uh, uh, sixty four years old and I grew up on in Malacca. I grew up fishing that lake, fishing tournaments for a long time, and that lake is oh, we used to call it the Dead Sea. You couldn't catch right. a walleye to save your life. And there's times where you you can't keep them off the hook, yeah. it, so it goes in cycles. But now add on top of that uh, all the invasive species that are in there. That lake is completely changed, and it's going to continue to change uh, unless Mother Nature has something to say with it. And that I think the weather has a lot to do with it. And I hate, and I don't like to blame things on on climate change. I really don't. But when the water temperatures are warming up, the the species that are more can um, uh, comfortable in Mille Lacs Lake. Like largemouth bass, we never, oh boy. My first smallmouth that I caught on Mille Lacs must have been 20-some years ago. We never caught smallmouth. Hmm. My uh, largemouth bass, they're, you're catching some ish Monroe. There's tanks out There's like, tanks out there. Tanks you out know there. how to catch them. Never used to be yep. there. Yep. Uh, the perch you used to get the big jumbo perch. Those are hard to find. The tulipies, yeah, yeah. what's happened to the tulipies? They're gone. They're gone. Why gone. are they gone? Big, because they, big muskies and big no, pike. Well, and, no. Well, and, that that's yeah, some. Yeah. But the biggest problem was that lakes warmed up. Tooli oh yeah. Tooli cannot yep. handle yep, yep. warmer water. Yeah. And so it's not a deep lake. It's not a deep lake. Now you got rusty crayfish in there. You got all the other invasives, the spiny water fleas that are in there, Uh, the zebra mussels that are cleaning up the water. We used to we used to go out to three mile uh, uh, three mile reef out there, and if you had a ten mile an hour wind, hey, you could anchor out there and catch all the walleyes you wanted. Now you can go out to three mile and you're sight fishing walleyes in twenty feet of water. It's incredible. See that? So it's changed, and so. And the science on a uh, 22 by 28 or 22 by 26 mile lake, it's not easy to figure it out. No. You know, when you're doing creel surveys and um, and doing stomach content uh, uh, studies, you know, they're trying, but you cannot. It's like you cannot say in a three year time period that, you know, um, you can't get an answer for anything and you don't have enough information to make a qualified uh, decision on how to make changes to that lake it 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 takes time and that's where people because and and this is what i had a hard time uh, convincing um uh, dnr people of how important that lake is to be a walleye lake for people and trust me my favorite fish to fish right now is smallmouth I love smallmouth fishing. It's
0: getting tough up there because they're getting very very educated on the fish. They that are. Lake.
1: They are. Yeah. But the walleye, um uh, it, you know when I I go back to when I was a kid and selling night crawlers the line um had to go right through Malacca the the, the cars line, line 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 I mean it it took hours to get to Malacca. Because they wanted to go up walleye fishing, mm-hmm. and that's all it was, and so it's hard to, for some of us old timers to get out of our head that that's still not going to happen again. That we can't have that cycle come back around. Yeah. But I'm not sure that we can ever go back. I, I that's I've, I I don't know if we can.
0: Yeah. Well, I think you know it. I think it's one of those things where, like Lake Malax, we need to start taking fish out of that lake. You know, I mean, it's just it, we're gonna see another. 28 inch, two pound, three pound walleye, you know, like we did seven, eight, nine years oh, ago, that was. I, I, yeah. And then, you know, the fish were, they were skinny, 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 yeah. skinny. And then what happened? They all crashed. It's going to happen again if we don't get big fish out of this lake. Mm-hmm. And then we're just going to start right back where we were, Yeah, right back where we were. Oh, what happened to Mille Lacs Lake? What happened to Mille Lacs Lake? What happened to Mille Lacs Lake? Well, there's too many fish total in that lake. Too Many big fish in that lake, so I, you know, I'm not a biologist, but when I go out there and I can catch fish all day, especially the elusive walleye, something's wrong, yeah, it is, yeah. And anybody, you know, and, and, I, and I've said this before is anyone who has ever taken a fish out of that lake, it's your fault, too,
1: mm hmm, yeah, it's your fault, too, yeah, well,
0: so yeah.
1: Yeah, life life has changed up there for sure and I hope it comes back because that's a special lake.
0: Yeah. Well, it's a it's the, part of the problem is is that it's so close to the metro. And yeah. You know, you go up there and you just pound it. It's by a day trip.
1: 10,000 people all yeah. all over the place. Doesn't take long to get there. Oh. It's good fishing. When you can walk from boat to boat to boat on the on the sand flats on the northeast <laughs> end and going home. There's times where you know it was frustrating up there when you had that many boats, but you know what? There's a lot of fish caught. Yeah. Back then. Yeah.
0: I don't know. It's but, but going back to the musky thing, yeah. I don't care if there's muskies in every lake in Minnesota. Yeah. You're not gonna see me like getting all hubbubbed about it when when they go, Oh, we're gonna put muskies in here, or oh, we're not. I really don't care. Yeah. But yeah, there I don't I've never had heard of anything going muskies are bad for Malax. Lacs muskies are bad for this you know oh well, you'll hear it you'll hear it but, but I mean but that's no not... no in no actual like scientific exactly. backing to it and that's where the DNR you know, that's, that's why most that's of the time I give I'm to. just when I hear guys go talking about that I'm very quiet I'm just like I like muskies they're cool but yeah. I'm gonna go over here let you guys argue
1: yeah and when <laughs> when you think about Malax, you know 22 by 28 uh miles and I, I and I don't remember and don't don't burn me at the stake for this, but well, you know, Google, There's so. only probably you know like twenty five hundred muskie in that lake, if if that.
0: Yeah, I don't think so. I don't. Or, 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 yeah, I'm not sure. I, I don't remember it's what not, that number is. It's but it's, much.
1: you would think it would be you know ten thousand, twenty thousand fish up there. It's not that many. No. And their and their basic diet is they if they can get an oily fish like a tulip, that that's their much preferred. Yeah. Um, but um, when when there isn't the perch out there uh, that there that we'd like to see. You know th- there is not a balance at this point in time, but they're they're working hard to figure it out, and i'll I'll put my uh, I'll put my money in the hat with the DNR for for what they're doing and what they what they are working towards. Well, and that's just and I'm not saying I did work for the DNR I, for yeah. ten years, and I can say it, but I know the people. And, you know, I come from a background of, of being a professional angler and being in the outdoor business for 20 plus years before I got work with the DNR. And that's what I'm basing it on. I'm not basing it on uh, on what I feel. And even though I've you know, i got some strong opinions on Mille Lacs, too, you know, that's mm-hmm. my home waters. Right. I want to see it is so cool. That lake is so neat. Where can you go to fish the sand flats, the mud flats, the gravel, the rock, the fish, the fish, the wind, go musky fishing, walleye fishing, smallmouth, largemouth bass. And the crappies, we haven't talked about the crappies <laughs> on there Like, if you can find, huge. if you can find the crappies. Oh, on that lake. in the spring, it's a little easier, but yeah, it's 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 a, there's some whoppers in there. That's that's what I hear. That's what people tell
0: me. But well, I, no, does. if you've ever gone actually crappie fishing, but you'd think I'd see one swimming somewhere. Best at
1: one kept point. secret out there, <laughs> yeah, the crappies. And I hear the bluegills aren't too shabby themselves either. Mm. Well, I can't. I I have no experience with that one. No, no, just the crappies. Just crappie guy. <laughs> yeah. All right.
0: you know, and here's another thing getting people you know getting taking your kids to family event, whatever launches on Malax. oh yeah they're
1: affordable it's not very far get you fishing
0: gonna have a good time
1: bring some hot dogs you can usually grill yeah. burgers or dogs on the back of the the launch and mm-hmm. uh yep that's a that's a fun time, and it's family time right
0: well, I think um. There's a lot that we can all do to get more people. I won't just say kids into the outdoors. You know, I've got a neighbor that I keep bugging, going, hey, you want to come fishing? You want to go fishing? He's like, oh, I'm busy. I'm like, yeah, well, you never get out there anyway. So (laughs) let's go fishing, you know, or buddy. I got my uh, buddy at work. I got him into bow hunting. He won't admit it, but I got him into bow hunting. And, uh, you know, I can continue to do that. You can continue to do that. All you people out there can continue to do that. Even if it is just taking somebody going, hey, you wanna, I'm going to go for a hike. Go for a hike. Every once in a while, just sit there and watch. Because just, the woods will come alive. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's there's nothing around you because you're moving around. If you're what? <laughs> Remember what you said earlier? If you shut up and sit down, <laughs> exactly. You know, just be quiet, sit still. You'll see a lot of stuff. Something
1: will happen. You'll, you'll never know.
0: Yeah. So I, yeah, this is definitely one I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to, a few times over. And if you guys haven't been able to tell, he's extremely passionate about all this, and you haven't even really. Seen him at uh, with a microphone in his hand at an ice fishing tournament. <laughs> How many different tournaments do you uh, like? MC. I, 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 I know you do holes for heroes.
1: Yep. I just talked with uh, Tom, and uh, there'll be one on uh, Waconia this year. There's going to be so one on Medicine, one on Waconia. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, just on Medicine. I'm sorry, just on just, Medicine. Just on this medicine year. this year, and That's I okay. do uh, Ice Castle Classic out in Ortonville. I did one in Wisconsin for a number of years, and uh, and, a, and a couple other ones uh, this year, kind of. Kind of uh, laying back a little bit more uh, this year, but I am passionate about it because it gives me a great platform to continue what I do have, and it is a passion to get people in the outdoors. I would hate to see the next generation not see what I've seen or not done what I've done, and that's shame on me if I don't do my part.
0: Right. Well, I'm buying a boat this winter, a new boat, a bigger boat. I just got a little 14-foot aluminum, not much room in it, so I'm looking to go at least 16 with some room. Um So it's, I'm going to be looking for people to go, you know, looking for families. And, you know, I hang out at Veto's Bait and Tackle all the time. And there's a lot of people that just shore fish in there. Mm -hmm. And guess what? Hey, if you're the lucky guy that I feel like, hey, you want to come fishing with me out in a boat and not on shore, you know, or somebody that's never fished before or whatever. I mean, there's so many opportunities for us to get people in the outdoors. There's really no excuse there there is really no
1: excuse there is no excuse you have and 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 if i can leave one other thing with with our listeners here right now too we have to make the outdoors a priority because if what's going to happen if we don't the the oh my god everything uh, and and our legislators and people in general and it's going to be all of our faults if it go right down the tubes it could go very quickly that's why we need our Uh, our outdoor organizations out there, that's why we need our advocates for the outdoors. We need clean water. That's important. Water, it's the domino effect. It's exponentially, you know, that goes out. Whether, you know, if we get somebody to teach somebody about something, then they teach somebody, and they teach somebody. You know, the DNR can't do it on those. Organizations can't do it on their own. It's up to us as individuals to make the difference.
0: The outdoors, the woods, the deer, the turkey, the fish, if we don't use them, we will lose them because they all have a dollar value on them. If people stop going to the state parks, they stop fishing, they stop hunting. Those state parks will be turned into housing communities. The lakes will all become private because another house will be built at the access. So if we don't use them, we will lose them. And how do we not lose them? We get more people involved in the outdoors. That way those people get more people involved in the outdoors and they're spending the money to keep those parks open to keep those accesses open to keep the deer herds and you know populated and the turkeys and the fish and everything so yeah it's use it or, or lose it yeah it's You know, as sad as it it is to say that we need to basically spend money to keep that stuff going, that's how it is though. If you don't use it, no there's no value to deer if nobody hunts. There's no value to fish if nobody fishes. And then
1: you'll get the person that says, Well, I don't want to compete with all these people. But here we are so fortunate, Minnesota, for what we have and we're only an hour, hour and a half away from tremendous well, there's
0: there's great pheasant hunting within an hour of the metro. There's good pheasant hunting within 10 minutes
1: of my house. You have to work <laughs> at it and look for them. I'm not going to give you that location. You need to work at it a little bit. Yep. You need to put some miles on the ground. Yeah. There are some shortcuts, and knowing somebody is the best way to do that. So Facebook. you might get some phone calls. Hey, Doug, can we? Yeah. <laughs> can we go hunting? Facebook, okay. hey, guess what? I want to go pheasant hunting. Can
0: somebody take yeah. me pheasant hunting? Yeah. That's all you need to ask. Yeah. You know, Can somebody take me goose hunting? Can somebody take me fishing?
1: But you have to ask. And that's yes. one thing that people don't always do. You just have to ask. Kids, yeah. kids out there, when you're listening, good clean podcast here, listen to what we've been talking about right now. Ask. Yeah. Ask your uncle. Ask your mom or dad. Uh, uncles, aunts, your neighbors. Ask them if they want to go. Or ask them, will you take me? You know what? I will 95% maybe 99 percent they'll say yeah we'll just let's set a date
0: yeah yeah if you if you ask a fisherman to take you fishing and he says no he better have a full boat <laughs> or he better be busy that day or he's getting married that day yeah, yeah, exactly <laughs> exactly
1: and then I saw somebody earlier or this year a friend of mine, uh, uh, Bill Hillbrandt, one of his sons. They actually were fishing on uh, just after they got married. They were oh, making really? casts off the dock. <laughs> I thought it was awesome. Eric Hildebrandt, who's part of the DNR, hats off to you guys for uh, and Bill for just raising uh, great kids out there. But it's it's awesome that they're out there on their wedding day making a cast, and they both got fish. Nice. Of course, hers was bigger.
0: Well, of course, of course. <laughs> I we actually moved our honeymoon trip to Disney World because it was deer season
1: that was a good thing you didn't uh, do any alligator hunting while you're down there did you no 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 no. they weren't hunting you were they no they weren't (laughs) no that was
0: no this was back in the day when none of us were dumb enough to go swimming in a disney pond after dark in florida um (laughs) but i've done some bass fishing down there oh yeah in their disney ponds didn't catch any monsters but i did catch my first fish in florida there we go yeah and she always gets mad at me when when we're like planning on going somewhere i'm always thinking can I kill something or can I catch something? What can I get on my yeah. life list to scratch yeah. it off my bucket list? Yeah. Well, we did a Disney cruise. Guess what? Yeah. We did a fishing excursion yeah. and knocked like five or six sea fish off my bucket yeah. list. Perfect.
1: Yeah, you know,
0: There's always room to fit in the outdoors somewhere.
1: <laughs> I've been very fortunate, you know, working with Gander Mountain and, and uh, the organizations that I've worked with and the people that I know that I've been able to do a lot of special things out there. But nothing is, has been more rewarding than uh this spring i had a a a young man he's about 30 28 30 years old never been hunting got his firearm safety lesson went through uh some of the tips and tactics of how to turkey hunt and i took him out this spring and the first day we had some gobblers going the second day we went to the spot and sure enough that bird came right in on a string and you should have seen his face it was incredible he paid homage to that that turkey. Nice. He was thankful for it, and uh, I thought he was going to break down. Yeah. But the the experience of that bird coming in and uh, him keeping that rifle or the shotgun barrel—you can rifle so really, on turkeys now? No, no, no. Oh, <laughs> that would be in the Dakotas, uh, but where your barrel is literally doing circles, and he pulled yeah. the trigger at the right time. So it was. Oh, a, was really? <laughs> Big bird. So a half a second later, he would have shot three feet over. <laughs> oh, time. for sure. Uh, that's that's but and that's it, what it's about. And that's it, it, I, we've got a lifelong turkey hunter now. Yep. Just it wasn't a one-day event. It wasn't a one-weekend event. It was a uh, a natural progression of of uh, providing opportunity uh, for that young man. Now he's going to pass it on to hopefully his uh, his friends and his friends and his friends and and they when they have kids, they'll be passing those on. Yep. Yeah, we got a couple kids. We take. Uh,
0: duck and goose hunting with us when uh, whenever they want to go, basically. Good kids, farm kids, they just want to go hunt, Yeah, you know, and they just want to go hunt. So it's like, yeah, come on with. We got room. Yep. So did we touch on uh, the Cold Front name yet?
1: Oh, we haven't. Mike mm. Cold Front Curry. Where did the nickname oh, Cold Front come boy. from? Oh, boy. Well, I was at Gander Mountain uh, at the time. Actually, Holiday Sports at the time. Um, when we just had the four stores and, uh, one in Plymouth, one in, uh, bloomington and uh fridley and uh, burnsville where i ended up i remember that fridley one going in there with my dad oh it was I such a cool that. experience yeah. it's, it was that was big time sporting goods oh, oh, yeah. oh man oh. there's all the all the musky lures that were bigger than you know our hands and right uh, and uh, all the rods and reels that you just kind of had that open mouth and that's before you had a beard up bet and you could just you kind of you didn't see and my say, profile <laughs> picture <laughs> oh i don't know i've seen yeah, i've I have, I have
0: had a beard yeah since yeah yeah, yeah. right here. right thanks
1: andy walsh uh but anyway uh the gentleman who was uh, uh, managing the crappie contest was going to step down. Uh, it was Dan Ingen from the Fridley store. He had run that for for quite some time, and he was uh, moving to another location with Gander Mountain. And so I said, well, I, I raised my hand. I said, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll take up the slack. Uh, and uh, that year we tried some different stuff. We put uh, the, you know, the old walking shoes at like Super America where you pay a dollar for a donation and go to oh, leukemia yeah. lymphoma. Yep. Well, we did yep. the same thing with a crappie. Uh, and we had all these uh, super uh, the uh, holiday station stores with uh, crappies, uh, you know, in their windows and stuff, raising money for leukemia lymphoma. Well, we also had uh, a radio station involved at that point in time. We had and the Minnesota Vikings. So on the Friday before the Saturday uh, April tournament, we had Michael Bennett and we had uh, a few other celebrities out fishing. Just a little mini uh, Vikings tournament. 65 degrees, beautiful day on a Friday. Just absolutely gorgeous. Next day, 30 degrees, (laughs) 30 mile an hour winds, sleet, snow, and everything else in between. And half these Vikings are all from the south. Oh, my God. But on that Saturday, and we had, uh, it was miserable on the lake. We still probably had three to 4,000 boats on Lake Minnetonka. Wow. And nowadays, you know, Ron Scherer has brought it back alive again, and my hats off to him and his organizations for bringing that tradition, you know, traditional spring thing back. But I did it for about ten years, um, and the cold front was a, just a natural when that when the wind blows. But I remember distinctly that day they had there was a probably a, close to a two pound crappie uh, that somebody caught that were going to win a uh, you know a nice prize from from Encoda, and this lady was was enjoying the crappie, and the wind blew up. Blew the awning up and out, and she got a a shower of cold water oh. off that tarp. I'm going, oh, we felt so bad for. Her. Oh no! Of course, we bought her a, a nice little hot toddy at that point right, in time, right, but right. Uh, but uh, we ended up raising um, almost twenty thousand dollars, and that's a record that still stands uh, because of the extra things that we did. Because we were thinking about you know a family ticket for the crappie contest at time was five dollars.
0: I think it's only. It's not it's, much it's about more the now. same. Yeah. I think a ticket's maybe ten bucks for yeah. a person on, one uh, on the day of. And That's yeah.
1: the important thing. We you, you want to continue to be a family yep. uh, opportunity, and we're talking <laughs> about kids. And that's why I love what they did for the random wait uh, on that particular tournament. Uh, it promotes an opportunity that anybody can win the boat, motor, and trailer. Well, in the last two or three kids have
0: all yep. been literally kids to yeah. win a boat. Yeah, yeah. The last three boats have gone to I think. I don't think they've even been able to drive the boat home. Yeah,
1: and that's and that's the key. Now we're talking about what you've started with your fourteen footer, and you're going to move it up to a little bit bigger. You know, it's a progression as you go forward. You can't start off with that Ranger uh, boat. You know, no, but you know, yeah, I do own one right now, but I oh, worked well, hard. But I worked hard for it, Mister Fancy Pants. Over I, and Ranger. I paid it off fifteen years ago. It's a nineteen ninety nine. Perfect. And you take good care of things in the outdoors. It takes good care of you. Yep. Cold front.
0: Cold front curry. Anything else, sir, you want to talk about? Any no. Words I, of that, wisdom. W- words of wisdom. I'd, I'd just like to end. Any tips or tricks you
1: want to I tell have I have uh, one. I, I just want everybody to remember to hook them where on the great outdoors, because if you don't hook them on that outdoor adventure, who will?
0: Perfect. And that's a wrap. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. Appreciate the opportunity. Big thanks to Mike Coldfront Curry for being on the show and he uh definitely opened my eyes on some things that i could be doing wrong i'm sorry i'm getting messages from oh people fishing on lake of the woods curtis good for you another one another pick god okay that's enough stop it you're interrupting the commercial Anyway, uh, allicefishing.com. Check them out. Facebook page and the website. That's what it is, allicefishing.com. You can save 10 to 20% off of, oh, I don't know, like 10 to 20% off of the big box store prices on things like apparel, augers, fish house accessories, ice fishing accessories, portable shacks, rods and reels. Uh, let's head over to, let's see what they got in the fish house accessories today. What new stuff did they have in the fish house accessories? Uh, oh, they got steps for your wheelhouse, your out, outdoor steps. You know, them grates so you don't uh, track a bunch of stuff in your house. They got rod lockers. Oh, they got some cool signs. KS wooden decor. They got one that's like in the shape of Minnesota with a fisherman on there catching a big old fish, it looks like he's all hooked up. Um, LED lights, it's all sorts of rod holders. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm looks like some pretty cool stuff so head over there check them out Allicefishing.com. and they are a minnesota company minnesota family family-owned business what you know what else do i need to tell you go check them out Allicefishing.com. well that was the show thanks for listening um being that this is the most Dangerous night of the year, probably, for being on the roads. Please, please, please be safe. Get a designated driver. Stay where you're at. I stay out of the bars. I'm probably home or to bed by 9 o'clock, honestly. Maybe 10. I'm an old man. I don't go out much anymore. So, anyway, be safe. Get a designated driver. Do not end up as a statistic, okay? If you don't do it for yourself, do it for... Pick a family member and go, I'm going to be safe for that person, okay? So we will see you all next week. Until then, bye-bye.